thank you for bringing us into this place today and reminding us uh, that you are the God who can do amazing things. God, sometimes we think that having faith is about our ability, about how much we can do, and yet uh, so often it has nothing to do with us. Uh, Sometimes when we get ourselves out of the way, we let you do the work that you eagerly desire to do. Father, thank you so much for a time away. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be back together uh, with the ones that we love, to share in community together, to share in uh, just a moment of worship and praise and lifting your name up. And I pray that today that as we, uh, as we share in your word together, as we share stories, that we would be blessed, that we would feel your presence in this place, and that we would just be reminded that you are the God that loves us madly and that does so much to be in relationship with us and that you call us to to step towards you. And may we find that today. Thank you for the opportunity for us to just share together. We pray that you would bless our time this morning. And it's all because of Jesus that we give thanks. And the whole church together says, amen. I'm a little out of out of practice. It feels like only a month ago that I had a job here. Uh, and what a blessing to be here on your last Sunday, Brad. Um, just fantastic, uh, fantastic to be here. I must tell you, it's a little bit weird because I got up today and I put on, you know, uh, nicer pants. And I haven't done that uh, in a month because uh, you really get used to wearing yoga pants. And I see what all the craze has been about. Um, I know you're picturing it right now. Let's not do that. This is church. Uh, so, uh, no, it was, it, was, it was great to have a little bit of time away. But I want to start, uh, start today um, by just saying uh, thank you to my, my leadership team, uh, to my staff, uh, to everybody that kind of stood in the gap, uh, some people that very nicely said, you need to be gone for a while uh, because uh, we really can't take you anymore. Um, but it was really a blessing to be gone, to be away. I'm going to share some stories today and kind of tell you about my tell you about my journey, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you to the church. Thank you for not not bothering me. Apparently, Brad sent out uh, several threatening texts and emails that said, if you bother him, we will kill you. So uh, so don't uh, do not do that. But uh, it was actually really nice to, to just spend some time away. Um, and that's what sabbatical really is about. It's about being refreshed and renewed. And uh, I, in 23 years of ministry, I have not had a, uh, had a sabbatical. Um, and it's not because I haven't tried to take one here and there, but sometimes we need those moments to just be refreshed. We need those moments to be renewed, to kind of find ourselves again in the midst of that. And there were kind of four sort of primary areas. I'm not one to really want to talk about myself a lot, but I thought, well, I'll just kind of share it once and then we can, we, we can be done with it. But there were sort of four areas that, that I went into this sort of a uh, little challenged by. One of them was the first one was physical because many of you know the last couple years I've had some struggles with my health and I've been talking to doctors and it's slow progress. I'm taking some new medication that's going to hopefully start to help a little bit more and I am feeling a little bit better. But physically I was just very worn out. 2020 was a tough year. I think most of us can attest to that and say, listen, we just had a, we had a rough year. It, it just required so much effort and what we did in 2020 at, the, at this church just required a lot of energy and effort, and, and we get worn out. Mentally, I was pretty worn out. As a, as a leader, you make decisions all day long, and, and I don't mean this badly, but there's, there were moments that I got to that I thought, if one more person asks me to make a decision, I'm going to scream. Because I, I, you, know, you just get to that point where you just can't make any more decisions. 
Uh, emotionally, it's been a tough year for our family. We've had some loss. We've had a lot of other things. I know a lot of you have as well. Um, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm not one of those people that struggles with anxiety or depression. Those are not my go-tos. But also realizing that you get to a point where you're so fried that emotionally you become a little, I don't want to say unstable, but you just you can't be making good, healthy, emotional decisions. And if you're a parent, you know, when you've had a long day, you start snapping at your spouse and your kids a lot quicker than you usually would. And some of us struggle with that at times. And so even though my emotional stress was not that I was depressed or couldn't get out of bed, but, but it started to affect the relationships that I had. And then finally, spiritually, which I'm going to talk more about next week, about how do we spiritually engage after challenge. And I think a lot of us are struggling in this boat. How do we engage church? We've been away from it for a long time. I'm struggling with my spiritual life. Uh, Haley and I had a conversation. I said part of the problem that I faced, I think, was that, that I had some bandwidth struggles. I've started to experience some leadership fatigue. And it's not because I didn't want to lead. It's just because, because you just get to a point where you can't make any more decisions. And you feel lonely or alone. And not that I'm one of those people that oh, I'm, I'm all alone. But you start to feel alone. Sometimes you feel like you're on an island. Maybe isolated is a better word. But you just feel isolated from everybody else. And even spiritually, like this is what I said I'm going to talk about next week, you feel like you're pouring from an empty cup. But you're standing out in the rain and you get a few drops and then you turn around and somebody needs that from you. And so you get to that point where you feel depleted. And I just appreciate the opportunity to kind of be built back up and take a moment to just gain some perspective. What I did on, Ju on June 13th, I preached my last sermon. I went home, loaded up uh, my travel trailer, and I went down to Abilene Christian University, which is my alma mater, where I met Haley, where we got married. We lived there for several years. And I audited a class, one of the classes that I've, I've taken before many years ago, but I've decided to go sit in the classroom again. So from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, I was in the classroom. And I know for some of you, you're thinking, that is insane. I wanted to get done as quickly as I could. But I took a course called Spiritual Formation that talks about, as people, how we are spiritually formed, and as leaders, how we try to spiritually form others. And like I said, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that next week. Got to go and have some lunch with some professors that I GA'd for and other things, and, and got to just enjoy some time in a room talking about spiritual practice and engaging in some spiritual disciplines. Got to spend a little bit of time with my family. We went up to Ure, Colorado, which uh, near Telluride, and some... Some of you might know that area. And two weeks ago today, on Sunday morning, we hiked this mountain up to the Blue Lake on Mount uh, Smethels. It's 13,000 feet. It is quite an ambitious hike, I will tell you. And then there's this, this Blue Lake, this glacial lake on the top. And uh, I really, I, I don't mean you to take offense by what I'm about to say. I really tried not to think about you guys uh, while I was gone. Like, I was really like, just act like, like they are dead to me, you know, for a month. Um, but I was standing there on the Sunday morning knowing that you guys were gathered in this spot. I mean, I'm assuming you had church while I was gone. But you were, you, you were sitting here and you guys were worshiping and praising. And I, I was just standing in a different place, also worshiping and praising, realizing how big God is and how great God is. And he had, he had hidden these beautiful spots uh, so that we could find them. And I talked to Haley as we were climbing. We, you know, we, went, we went up there uh, with our new little dog I'll talk about in a second and hiked all the way up to the top of this. It was quite an ambitious hike. The kids were tired. We were tired. It's straight up for like four miles and back. But I said that's really indicative of the journey that I think we've all been on maybe for the last year, that it's been hard and 
difficult, but then right when you feel like you can't take it anymore, God opens up the scenery and shows you how powerful and beautiful he is. And here's a picture of us. Uh, you know, we were up there. There's some beautiful waterfalls on the way. Uh, yeah, you can see the kids there. But that's our dog, our new dog. We're very excited about the new dog. His name is Ozzy, um, and he had no problem climbing back up. So, yeah, we had a nice time with family, but it's really more about the dog, just to be, just to be clear. Uh, got to come back for a little bit and do some writing and reflection, some stuff that I've been working on for a long time, just taking some time to write some of these things down uh, that I just really have not had the time to do in the past seven years. Uh, seven years of, of, of kind of replanting this church and working and stuff, everything else takes precedent over the things that we want to do, and I was able to actually sit down and, and write some of these things and also do some prayer and some listening. Uh, like I said, I'm going to talk about this next week, but I really got to a point uh, before I went on sabbatical that I was really having a hard time praying. I was having, and I know you're thinking, he's a pastor, he should be, that should be easy for you. Uh, prayer has always been kind of a, a mixed bag for me, and I really just got to a point where I didn't even know what to pray or how to pray. So I love the words of that Waymaker song, isn't it great? Even when I, I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I can't see it, you're working. And maybe sometimes God depletes us to a point where we can't do anything because he wants us to get out of the way so that he can do his work. And, and great to be reminded of that. Even amazing that, that the, the idea of Sabbath makes God's top ten list. It's one of the commands that he gives people. And we always focus on don't lie and don't kill people and don't steal and, and don't do these kinds of things. But we, d we forget that God says you need to take time away. And I don't think that has to do with us as much as it has to do with him saying, you need to move so that I can do what I need to do. So just being reminded of that as well. When I got to ACU, um, Haley called me that night. I said, okay, I'm settled in. Okay, the camp is all set up. No, I didn't break anything. Everything's fine. And she said, well, it's a bit of a scavenger hunt for you. And in one of the, one of the cupboards, kind of at the back, hidden behind some things, there were this, uh, this package of, of letters, and I'm going to talk about these a little bit today, all these, all these letters uh, that many of you were, um, were asked to write and be a part of. Um, and every day, uh, I was supposed to read one of these letters, and I was actually surprised that that many people had encouraging things to say. <laughs> I don't know what that cost or, or whatnot, but um, it was amazing. I'll find out, I'm sure. Uh, it, it, it was amazing. Um, I know that many of you, when it's Pastor Appreciation Month in October and other types of things, we get cards, we get letters. But to have that amount, that had never happened to me before. And I felt extremely humbled by that moment. And God started to work on me and started to do something, uh, share kind of an image with me, an image that I had not necessarily thought about extensively before this time. It was one of those, those things that I knew and that I would studied, but it never really made sense to me the way that it did while I was on sabbatical. It's the, it's the verse of scripture that we're going to read in Hebrews here in a little while, the one that talks about a cloud of witnesses. Now, the imagery of cloud or smoke uh, or mist in the Bible is prolific. It's all, it's all the way through the Bible. And what it's meant to do is it's meant to kind of share the presence of God with us. Smoke and clouds sort of happen where you can't quite tell where the earth ends and where the heavens begin. And clouds do not have sharp edges. It's hard to know where they begin and where they end. And we see this 
throughout the pages of Scripture. It's in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah goes into the temple, and the temple is filled with smoke. It's showing that the presence of God, it, it's all around, and it's there, and you're, you're in it, and you're, you're seeing it, and it's, it's kind of a weird thing to be a part of. We see it when, when Jesus is, is baptized, there's a cloud and a dove. When he is crucified, there is darkness that comes because the clouds fall heavy in that moment. It's just all the way through Scripture, and it's always meant to be indicative of the presence of God and God uh, in us and among us, and we inhale him and we're a part of it. And that's maybe why when I was on top of this mountain in Colorado, that the cloud imagery just kind of made sense to me. I was in this beautiful space, but the presence of God was there, and all of you were there with me as well. This is why the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, recalls this idea that says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what, what the writer is trying to say is, we don't quite know exactly who that is all the time because it's a little bit mysterious and it's a little bit different. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to, to Jewish Christians. That's why he calls them Hebrews. The other time that they were called Hebrews was when they were in Egypt and they were leaving Egypt for the desert and ultimately for the promised land. And, and the writer of Hebrews writes to this church and calls them like exiles, like you're being released from slavery and right now you're in the desert, but soon you will achieve the promised land. Now, chapter 12 is an unfair statement because he's really referring to what happens in chapter 11. So in chapter 11, chapter one, uh, verse 1, the book of Hebrews, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we do not see. This is what the ancients, meaning all the people of the past, what they were commended for. It says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. None of us fully understand how creation happens. Even Moses, who writes the first five books of the Old Testament, wrote those books thousands of years after that happened and was not there at the event. No person was at the event of creation. And what the writer is setting up and saying, listen, we know that God is there and it's, a, it's by faith that we accept that these things have happened even though we don't fully understand how they happened. He starts naming off people. By faith, Abel. Like Cain and Abel. Abel offers a good sacrifice to the Lord. And anything we do sacrificially is us stepping into faith with Abel. By faith, Enoch, one of the, one of the, the prophets of old, who constantly had people badgering him and trying to kill him. It says he's always moving from place to place to place to, to get away from the enemies. And eventually God doesn't let them catch up. It says he just snatches him and takes him into heaven. If you look at verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's what the journey of faith is. It's about believing and then stepping behind that sense of belief. And then he lists way more people. It's by faith Noah built the ark and saved humanity. It's by faith that Abraham waited until his older years until God gave him a son, which then he almost offered to him in sacrifice. It is by faith that Sarah waited her whole life 
for the child that God was going to give her. And then it was by faith that Isaac and Jacob and Joseph followed the Lord. By, by faith, Moses led them out of Egypt. It's by faith, Rahab, this, this prostitute, this woman who had a broken life, does something profound for the kingdom and for God's people. And in verse 39, it closes out this, this chapter. After talking about all these things, it says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You can see what he's about to say here in this text. And then chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith, who, because of joy, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The writer of this book is trying to tell these people who are facing persecution, who are facing struggle, that they are not alone, that they are a part of this great crowd of people. It's an image that we see in the Old Testament time and time again. When the Israelites are leaving Egypt, it's a, it's a, it's a huge crowd of them. And we see it pop up again in the book of Revelation when it talks about this beautiful and wonderful and great multitude that cannot be counted. The edges of which we don't quite know where they are. There's no way you could ever account for every single person there. Because, but there is this huge crowd of people. And I think sometimes when we feel alone, especially when we feel alone in faith, we think that it's just me and, and I'm doing this all alone. And, and the writer is trying to remind us you're not. From the first people that ever walked this earth, there's been this mutual connection of faith. And I'm not alone because I have you. And you're not alone because we have each other. You know, I'm going to talk, like I said, I'm going to talk about the spiritual journey a little bit more next week. But I think sometimes we struggle with this idea of individualistic Christianity, right? It's just about me and my faith. And what we miss or what we forget is that us being a part of something bigger than us creates a witness for others. Everything about Christianity is about doing it together. Even Jesus Going to the cross was not about Jesus. It was about us. It was about the crowd. It was about the witnesses. It was about this community of people. And when we accept that role and take up our place, we stop being a crowd and we start being the church. And that's the heart of God in us. If, if there was scripture being written about me, I sort of felt like it would say something like, by faith, Sheldon, even though he is broken, even though he struggles, even though he gets tired, even though he's made a lot of mistakes in his life, even though he's taken more wrong turns than pretty much anyone else, even though sometimes he's not fit to preach the, the word because he's not quite sure if he always believes them in his own life or practices them, 
But by faith we can do it because he has you. He has a community. You know, the image of the cloud are still powerful. It's amazing even on our iPhones, when we back up our iPhones, we back them up to the cloud. Uh, and that's not a mistake. They didn't just choose that. There's some reference there as well. But I want to tell you, you know, when Paul was in, was in prison, when he writes a lot of the New Testament, the church would send him letters every now and then. Probably very much the same as what I experienced in the last month. Now, I wasn't in prison. I only got arrested once. <laughs> but I imagine this is probably what he felt like. Because I think when you're probably sitting in a cell that's dark and cold and wet, you feel alone. You feel abandoned. And maybe these letters would come through the, the hole in the door. And he would read them. And he would realize he's part of a witness multitude of people who have faith. So when I got to, to Abilene and I, I opened up, all the letters were numbered and I was told when to, uh, when to read them and Brad wrote me the first letter. He was very bossy. He told me this is how it works. It's like I get it. They're letters. I know how to read. But he wrote me a letter and kind of explained uh, what was going to happen. And then that night I opened, uh, I opened three letters that first night. One was from Ella. Uh, one was from Emory, and one was from Haley, kind of wishing me well on this journey. I woke up the next day, and I had an email from my dad that uh, they had sent. And then that evening, read one uh, from my mom. I got a nice, nice gift and a nice card from Suzanne Cowley. And then these were the letters that I got. Uh, one from Robert Morris, Pastor Gateway Church. Maxine Davis, who is a, a lifelong friend, my younger sister, Jalene, and my older sister, Elise, Julie Meyer, our children's pastor, Christy Peter, our student pastor, Rachel Pierce, our group pastoral care pastor, Joe Dwyer from Encounter Church, Jeff Wilson, Greg Dow from Central Church, Journey Care Team, I don't know who wrote it, but just signed as Journey Care Team. Debbie Holman, who works at the church. April Barker, Crystal Russell. Tommy and Sandra Rain. Barbara Whitaker. Gene and Mark Sue Rouse. Matt Johnson, pastor of the Lost Church. Claude Whitaker. Clara Crump. Paula Sosby. Barbara Whitaker. Barry and Eula. Charlie and Francis. Barbara Whitaker. Melina Campbell, Mike Wisenhut, Tanya Bates, Matt Barker, Monty and Diana Salter, Misty Head, Tori D, Michael and Judy Matthews, Ed Nolte, David Smith, David and Paula Sims, Joe and Nancy Goss, April Lemon, Cheryl Smith, Jennifer Bobbitt, the last one I got was anonymous, and then, of course, last but not least, Barbara Whitaker. But that meant something to me. And I know 
everyone in this room, if you'd been asked, you would have written one. And there's something powerful about that image of not being alone, of being a part of something, even though we feel fatigued and challenged. We realize that it's bigger than us. I tell people all the time, you've got to get lost in something that is bigger than you. If you're the biggest thing in your story, it's not a very good story. The writer of Hebrews is calling up that imagery by saying there is a past and there is a present and there will be a future. And all of those things have to do with us being a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. Being a part of this cloud of witnesses, this group of people. And as we step forward as a church into some new and beautiful things, it doesn't really matter what we're going to do. It doesn't really matter how we're going to do it. What does matter is that we do it together. Because when we do it together, we're not just a crowd. We're a church. being a part of my cloud of witnesses. You have witnessed to me and helped me in turn to witness back to you. And together, we will be the church. And maybe we will be a cloud of witnesses to others in our town. So thank you. Time away. Thank you that we get to do it together. Father, this morning, just pray mighty things, through our imperfections, through our fatigue, through our energy, God, that you would just be at the center of all of it. Thank you so much for giving us the privilege to be a part of something that's bigger than us, that's modeled after the greatest gift that you have given humanity. May we have the courage to step towards you. Father, thank you for this church. I pray blessing. Thank you for everybody who is listening, who is sharing, who is talking, who is a part of this group, God. I just pray blessing in their lives. I pray that you would open up all of our eyes to see what a beautiful community we are a part of. And that we might step forward together be a group of witnesses of your kingdom and your glory to a world that desperately needs you. Bless us as we stand, as we sing, as we lift your name high, as we give you praise. And as we leave, may we not just be a crowd, may we be, we pray this all through Jesus' name. And everyone together say,